0: This is the morning sports desk for Monday, July twenty fourth. What's welcome, up? Welcome back, Corey. What's up? How was your uh, How was your vacation? I see you got a breezy point hat that you're rocking as you've uh, came back into these uh, sticky studios today. This
1: is my this is my old man hat. I call it
0: your old man hat. It's it's like a it's like a trucker hat. Okay.
1: And I'm I'm uh, I'm indifferent on trucker like sometimes I really like them sometimes I think they're uh, um, meant for a tool and yeah you know what I mean uh, but when they look nice I think they look nice this one uh, takes trucker hat to the extreme mm-hmm. it's mesh all the way around uh-huh and it is so comfortable yeah uh, so like especially on a day like today you keep the sun out of your eyes but it's gonna breathe right through.
0: That's going to help out a lot because uh, when I walked in the studios this morning, uh, it was like a sweat lodge in here. And the more steps I went up, the yep. stickier it got And because uh, they're doing work on a roof. So obviously the air conditioner right now is out of commission.
1: We have no AC this week, the hottest week of the entire year.
0: Yeah, picked a good time for
1: it. Uh, Great time for it. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be exhilarating. I, I wanted to mention I being on vacation for a week, one of the things that comes with it is My estimation is like, oh, I'm going to actually spend a lot of time, like, I'm going to catch up on some things, I'm going to watch some things uh, that maybe I'm not able to on a regular basis, and that usually involves my phone. Are you an iPhone guy? Yeah. Do do you get the weekly, the- Screen
0: time reports? Yeah, 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 yeah. Check this out. My screen time was down 44%. You mean you spent your vacation spending time with family and loved ones instead of on your phone?
1: i I relaxed in a way I wasn't quite expecting it was awesome forty four percent I'm still not willing to admit how m- much I was actually on my phone still because mm-hmm. it's it it will two things that number might still be ridiculous, and if I tell you that that ridiculous number is down forty four percent, I don't need to be admitting how much time I probably actually spent on my phone, sure, but that's a big. That's a big get 44%
0: down. Are you kidding me? So on your vacation, did you also uh, spend a lot of time uh, watching your favorite baseball team? Uh, there was one night
1: where I was able to, and um, Ju- it was the night that Julian and kept. they didn't go back-to-back. Somebody struck out in between them, um, but they were, they were showing a graphic about how uh, Ed Julian's the best hitter in baseball— uh, in the month of July, basically. Mm-hmm. And then two pitches later, he blasted one to center field. Just obliterated that baseball. And then, I mean, they they hit that Seattle starter all over the place. Yep. So that was the one game I was really able to watch. Uh, somewhere in that mix, they also showed Byron Buxton's average at 197. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that is and where that stands today. Um. But I know that they're good right now, right? Uh, are they, aren't they? are they like 7-2 and
0: post-All-Star break? Uh, they're eight and 8-2 post-All-Star break, which is the best record in baseball since the Midsummer Classic. Uh, they're averaging closer to 5.5 to 6 runs a game mm-hmm. in their last 10 games. And keep in mind, we talked in the first half, they averaged just above 4 runs a game, which was not cutting it. We talked about if they could even just consistently score 4 runs a game instead of 11 runs and then 1-1-1-1-1. One, 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 one. Right. Uh, uh, that they would have be like ten games above five hundred. Well, they're about five games above five hundred right now. They have a three game lead over the Cleveland Guardians and the AL Central, and really just overall playing great baseball, playing heads up baseball. Uh, especially this play in the bottom of the tenth inning, the Twins were down a run, and here's what happened.
1: And the two one pitch, a high pop fly. This is very shallow right. Out goes Remillard, in comes Colas, and Colas makes the catch. He falls down. Gallo's heading home. He's going to score! A sack fly that traveled
0: 177 feet to shallow right. Oscar Colas caught it, then lost his footing, fell down, and once he hit the deck, Gallo tagged and scored easily. It's a 4-4 game with one out here in the 10th inning. Heads up, base running by the Twins. What the heck is going on here? So one of
1: the things that I had heard about the Twins coming into, I believe it was this White Sox series, was um, offensively the White Sox are not a bad team. No, they can mash the ball. Um, defensively, they are a B squad team, and they they like they will just give you two to five extra opportunities a game, and all you need to do against this team is put the ball in play which has been kind of the arch nemesis of this twins team and it seems like anyway and you can confirm this better better than i can it Are they winning games because they're doing that a little
0: more often? I mean, the Twins, I think, have just been, I mean, no, they had a guy, get Kepler got thrown out, but it was an aggressive send by Tommy Watkins, as it usually is. But yeah, the Twins, I think, have just been running a little bit cleaner. Things have been a little bit more crisp. Uh, But at the end of the day, the White Sox are like the 2021 Twins in terms of like, these guys can still mash the ball and their pitching's not bad, but man, oh man, are they sloppy. Like there's just a lot of undisciplined baseball and really like the White Sox just look like they don't want to be there and they've pretty much looked like that since April when they started like 10 and 30. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a series that the Twins had in Chicago back in May, and we talked about this at the time, that the Twins had an opportunity, one, to really kind of run away and hide with the division at that time, but also to just pummel the White Sox into submission, and the Twins lost two out of three That's that right. series. <laughs> and this was another good opportunity right before the trade deadline, which is August 1st. Okay. So there's like a, this whole week is going to be kind of building up to the trade deadline into early next week. Uh, they had a chance to really just make sure that the White Sox were not going to do anything but sell and sell hard at the trade deadline, and they did that by sweeping them. And not only that, confirmed basically to the Twins management that you know it's not going to be as aggressive as last year probably, but they're going to need to add some pieces at the deadline and make mm-hmm. a push at this thing.
1: Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what happens, and I'm sure this week is we'll really start seeing some of those rumors start to fly. Uh, I'm sure you're already seeing them, but it'll be fascinating because I, the Twins. Uh, I mean, um, I think they have to be buyers. I don't think that necessarily needs to mean means they need to like make a big splash. But I'm sure there's there's always another arm you can add. There's always another bat you can add just for depth purposes. Uh, the thing that's that was cool about. The White Sox, and the thing that's interesting about the White Sox in particular is, is like you said, uh, they do hit the ball uh, out of the ballpark. They they do kind of mash a little bit, but um, I as we've, if you just pitch them kind of halfway decent, and and their numbers probably reflect that. Like, you know what, we don't have to nibble against this White Sox team mm-hmm. if we give up three runs to five runs a game versus the white Sox, we know they're going to give us our chance too because they Mm -hmm. they just kind of stink that's like a classic um you know in basketball there's the good stats bad team kind of a kind of guy somebody's got to score all the points well in baseball you don't have to nibble right you don't have to be on the black every single time when you're pitching against this white Sox team because they're just going to give you six runs a game
0: Eloy Jimenez just mashed a ball 450 feet and to trim the deficit to eight to one, exactly. Like that's that's pretty much where the where the White Sox are at right now. Not good for them, and just a just a darn shame, Corey. I mean, you hate to see bad things happen to the White Sox, don't you? They're my least favorite team.
1: They're my least favorite team in all of baseball. I know you're supposed to say the Yankees. I know Twins fans are supposed to be irrational about the Yankees, and I am. But it's it it's the White Sox for me. Absolutely the the. Just let all the bad things happen to them. <laughs>
0: yeah, nothing good should come of that franchise. Uh, so uh, let's talk quarterback. Yeah. Uh, so w- you were kind of recapped it as the week went on last week, right? So where yep. are you where are you at? So I went episode by episode, talking through my thoughts of things like the Buffalo game and things like the the thirty four nothing comeback and the playoff loss. Uh, I thought that that pl- I thought that the the long like two to three minute just clip of just Kirk and his wife in the car after that playoff loss Mm -hmm. and him just kind of venting and being really open and vulnerable with her about, like, basically everything we did this year was fun, but it's gone. It's it's done. It was really cool. It was
1: was very, um, uh, I think what I learned from the show and that particular clip was maybe the the most kind of showed this was he's a a pretty relatable guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think like personally, you know, the guy like was in show choir and he's kind of a corny dude. I'm like that. There's no way Kirk and I wouldn't be v- very good friends because <laughs> I'm a lot of those, uh, same things. And one of the things I, I also really kind of like empathize with is the, is the, when I, uh, don't necessarily uh, appreciate a perform a, a level of performance in anything in my life i kind of stew on it immediately exactly like he did right like his wife did an she's very supportive she came across in the show as really likable i thought um The cousin's family, just in general, seems really down to earth. Uh, But she talked to him very matter-of-factly about the game. I thought that was uh, kind of interesting, and he would agree with her, and then it would just be silent for fifteen seconds, and you'd hear him just go, ah, "I just
0: (laughs) that's basic, (laughs)
1: very relatable that way."
0: It's like uh, I think here's something we both can kind of uh, uh, get on the same wavelength. Was like, let's say that like we both call a game. And we feel like as we go to broadcast the game, it wasn't our best game. Like we missed a big call or got somebody's name wrong or, or something like that. And we're in the car with our wives the entire way back. Like that would be me. I'd be sitting there and just be quiet and be like, I, I just really screwed up that call. I feel like it was very important to get that right. And I messed it up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like that's like I missed it. That was going to be really important for somebody and I didn't. And I didn't do it. And that's like. And that's like the relatable thing. I think Kirk Cousins. Like we always talk about how self aware he is, and maybe sometimes to his detriment. But also, like you get really raw emotional moments like that, where he kind of talks about how it doesn't matter what we do in OTAs in April and go back to training camp. Any kind of momentum we had in this year is like it's done. Like that. This book is closed, and now we got to go start all the way over from scratch and do it again.
1: His self awareness is is very interesting. How it has um uh both benefited and been a detriment to his career Mm -hmm. right it was really fascinating i don't remember what episode it was but they well when he went back to washington and Mm -hmm. they they talked about his time playing for washington and and how when he got drafted he was like it's supposed to be kind of a celebratory day and he's like i just knew that i was not ever going to be long for the like they just drafted a quarterback. Like right. I don't know. I he didn't know what they were doing. So I I appreciated his uh his awareness around uh around that. Uh you know, the the largest comeback in NFL history. You remember the the postgame interview? He <laughs> like the the interviewer asked him the question and Kirk like cut him off like in NFL history, the largest comeback in NFL, like he's he is acutely aware of everything that's happening around him. Right. In a way that um, is hugely beneficial because he's not like the most athletic quarterback you've ever seen. He's, no. I, I doubt he's the smartest ever, and I don't mean that. I just mean like he is where he is at because of his his um, work ethic and commitment to all of those, to being perfect all the time, and that effort for perfection is um, also scared him away from making a, a mistake. In a moment where, we, where he needs to take some chances, too. Right. It's very fascinating. It's, that was a, a cool insight I learned from watching this show. Um, that it wasn't just like he was self... Like how we feel about Taylor Swift sometimes. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I, I learned a little bit more about him from that perspective. He's, he seems a little n- more normal than she is. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we all... I mean, I certainly struggle with that from time to time in certain aspects of my. Life. So I I appreciated that from him and seeing that side of him.
0: Sure. So we got uh, a minute or two here left. Do you want to talk Kirk overall, or do you just kind of want to finish up talking about quarterback? No, let's do let's do a Kirk thing uh, really quickly. Go ahead. So with Kirk Cousins, this documentary, a lot of public opinion has certainly shifted on Kirk Cousins. There's people who always loved Kirk, but there's a certain segment of the fan base that didn't really like him or didn't really you know think much of him because they only see him on Sunday days but then you get to see him kind of who he is and as a person and a lot of people don't get that access and just to see that there's a lot of people who've kind of changed on Kirk Cousins or at least feel like they're a lot more warmer to him do you think that that changes and goes back the moment he throws an interception or do you think that uh that this goodwill is kind of gonna last I mean this potentially is last year in Minnesota right do you think that this Quarterback thing will kind of make fans want the Vikings to re sign him. I don't, I don't know.
1: I think my overall opinion of him, I don't think has really changed that much. I see, uh, and personally, I, I do now have like uh, uh, a gravitation towards him that I didn't have before. And I don't want to sound too dismissive of my professional athletes because you're not supposed to talk about people this way. Um, I don't care about them <laughs> as people. <laughs> it's Tell not us how a, you really feel. It's not a. It's not a. Um. For the the best example of all time is Tiger Woods, mm-hmm. right? Uh, um. My wife can't stand the guy. Turns out he's a terrible husband. Who knows how he is as a father? But you can't sleep around with nineteen Perkins waitresses and uh, just expect to be respected by everyone. And I totally understand that. And I don't want to say that I like it. What I'm saying is that guy is my favorite golfer of all time. And almost nothing he, there's nothing he could have done that would have changed my opinion on his golf. Mm -hmm. And that part will always remain true. So the example, now moving that to Kirk Cousins, I really like the guy. Um, And there, by the way, I never had a reason not to like him. I have some things about the way he plays quarterback that I don't like. I think those two things can be mutually exclusive. Um, I think if you love Kirk Cousins already, you're going to love him even more. And if you didn't like, if you had this personal vendetta against him, it was probably extra
0: annoying that he had a whole show dedicated <laughs> to him. Exactly. And I think, you know, I think you just kind of touch on it. I'll, I'll summarize it here. It's basically uh, the thoughts of Kirk Cousins, the person have changed, but the thoughts of him as the quarterback are pretty much the same. And He's a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback. Cor- and by the way, like there's a list that comes out of quarterback ranks all the time, and Kirk Cousins ends up like 12th or 13th, and everybody gets really upset. And I honestly don't, because Kirk Cousins in this league probably is the 12th or 13th best quarterback. But 15 years ago, Kirk Cousins would be a top-six quarterback in this league. The quarterback play in the NFL is so good that even an above-average to good quarterback like Kirk Cousins and at his peak really good— is just seen as a guy because there's if Patrick Mahomes
1: wins a Super Bowl, he's an automatic Hall of Famer. If he doesn't win a Super Bowl, he won't sniff it. Yeah. That's Matt E rates.
0: He's like a Matt Stafford in terms of career arc and career trajectory and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's a really fascinating debate and it kind of leads up right into the right time because NFL training camp has started. Rookies for the Minnesota Vikings begin practice today. So school Vikings, let's let's do this thing. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Monday, July 24th.